go ahead and go to uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 4. And we've been going through uh, here in Ephesians, and we've really started looking at um, all of these things that uh, Paul talks about as far as these list of, of particular uh, sins that we are supposed to be putting off and uh, we're supposed to be renewing our mind and then supposed to be putting on the new man which is created after uh, Christ Jesus and true righteousness and holiness. And uh, last week we looked at the thing about uh, lying, how we're not supposed to be lying to one another. And this week we're going to look at anger. And so as we continue this list of sins here in Ephesians 4, uh, these, are, these are sins that used to define our life. And as we're looking at this about who, who are you, well, you know, you may have had a particular sin bent to a certain thing, may it be lying or in this case anger, but this is something that should be used to define your life. These are the things we're supposed to be putting off, the, the former manner of life which is deceitful and it's corrupt in its desires. And uh, so when we think about anger, I think all of us, uh, this really strikes a chord with us because there are those people that kind of blow up. You know, they kind of erupt like a volcano. And then there are others that kind of clam up. You know, they internalize everything and they become resentful and stuff. So anger really does uh, affect all of us. I heard a story about a young mother and her little boy were driving down the street. And as they were driving, the little boy asked the mom, said, Mommy, why do the idiots only come out when daddy drives? You know, you think about that. <laughs> um, can we actually rid ourselves of anger? Is this even a realistic goal? I believe God's answer in the Bible is yes, we can do that. And that's through gospel change. The gospel is what changes us. When we came to faith in Christ and we were uh, lost and broken... God quickened us. He made us alive through the power of the gospel. And we're changed. We have a new nature. And now we don't just continue to live and say, okay, well, I'm on my way to heaven now. We are supposed to continue to change. Allow the gospel truth to change us where we're putting off the old man and putting on the new man, which is created after Christ Jesus. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we have the ability to change, whether it's lying, anger, whatever sin bent you want to put in there, we have the ability to change. We don't have to be ruled by our anger. We can change. So when we look here at the Bible, we can see anger throughout all of God's word. I mean, you see stories of that. That's one reason why you can know that the Bible is true. Because if it was left up to man to kind of put this together, we would kind of make ourselves look really good. But God's word exposes us for who we really are. And we see men that, that struggled with anger. Um, I think about the patriarchs in Genesis or the Israelites that were sojourning in Exodus. What about the relationships in Judges, Samuel, and Kings, and Psalms, we see real life struggles of anger as, as David is angry and other uh, men are angry in God's word. In Proverbs, we see wisdom and warnings that are often tied to anger. 
Uh, Think about the prophets as they called down the judgment of God, as they were uh, angry or angered in certain situations. Uh, Think about our Lord as he dealt with the religious leaders of his day and the anger that he often showed. Um, What about the Apostle Paul and as he counsels believers in the letters to the churches? Uh, Think about Peter and and even James's reproofs that really show the depravity of our own heart as they talk to us about how uh, we need to change and they're angered. Uh, It comes across in their writings. So the Bible is full of anger. But I do believe that there is great hope in all of that. Why? Because in God's word, it gives us answers for anger. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. So we have the ability to change. We can change. So let's look at a couple things here about anger, about controlling our anger. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin here in verse 26. Look what it says here. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. I believe in order for us to deal with anger, we need to have a biblical definition of what really anger is. So number one, what is anger? What is it? Now, the Bible doesn't really spell out for us, this is anger. It doesn't give us a uh, a concise definition of what anger is. But as we compare scriptures with scripture, and we look at the different verses of scripture that deal with anger, we start to get an overall picture of what anger really is. Uh, It describes, uh, in God's word, it describes many forms of different types of anger as it affected different types of people. Um, It shows us ways how to change our angry ways and to change uh, that direction in which we are going. So here's a good definition of anger as we look at the whole Bible as a whole and all the different uh, verses that deal with anger. So here's the definition. Anger is an active response of negative moral judgment that affects our whole person against perceived evil. Anger is an active response of negative moral judgment that affects our whole person against perceived evil. When we think about this, several aspects of this definition shows us exactly what anger really is. Number one, our anger is an active response. It's an action and an activity. Anger is not something we do. Anger is something that we have. It's something that we, that we release upon people. The Bible pictures people who uh, react and do in angering types of situations. Sometimes people say things like, well, that's just the way God made me. I can't help it. I'm just an angry person. Well, the reality is, is if you have been changed 
by the truth of God's word, you've been changed by the power of the gospel, you do not have to live that way. You can change. That's why God's word says, be angry and do not sin. So sometimes we say things like, I'm just naturally hot-tempered, as if it's something that they just kind of make up. Or uh, we say, you know, well, I just can't help it. You know, people just push my buttons. But reality, it's a sinful response that can be changed. Secondly, our anger is an active response against something. It does not arise spontaneously. Anger reacts against being provoked. It is caused by something. As we'll see here as the Bible will describe it, anger's core lies within our hearts. Jesus told us that that's where anger comes from. The murder comes from is from within our hearts. And it's when we respond to people in an angry way that we are having an active response against them. And we respond in that as to people and even events in our daily life. Thirdly, our anger is an active response against a negative moral judgment. This is a judgment that we make. Now I say a negative moral judgment because anger protests this. It says, what you did was wrong. It says, that action is unjust. It pleads, this must stop. Anger is not always sinful. That's why Paul here says, be angry and do not sin. So it's possibly it's possible to be angry and to be good at the same time. But we have a problem because of our sin bent. We sometimes use that anger in an unrighteous way towards people. So Paul says, be angry, but do not sin. Anger is not always sinful because it opposes the perceived evil. Anger determines that all offenders must change, be punished, or be removed. It issues mental death penalty verdicts against the guilty. Listen to the words of Jesus as he warns us about anger. Listen to what he says in Matthew 5, 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever, listen to this, this is, this is very serious warning from Jesus. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And we may not say, you fool, but sometimes we say things like, you idiot. Jesus says that we are in danger. We are liable to hellfire. I might add that all anger activity is done before God. He sees all of it and our wicked, deceitful hearts, and he, we will be held accountable for our anger if it's used improperly. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Fourthly, our anger is an active response against a negative moral judgment that affects our whole person. You see, anger involves our entire being. Anger in scripture conveys emotion ranging from red hot rage to icy blue rejection. It always involves beliefs and motives, perceptions and desires. Anger is more than just an emotion. It involves the entire being. All of our desires, actions, feelings, and beliefs. When my wife and I first got married, by the way, she's not here this morning so I can tell this story. Um, When we first got married, we were uh, living in an apartment and, uh, you know, things are going well and stuff. And then, you know, certain actions, all because of me, because I'm selfish, okay? Certain things that I did, I mean, just really started wearing And I remember we were sitting down to have dinner one evening, and I had cooked some, uh, like, shrimp and stuff like that on the grill. And uh, I had used a thermometer to check the temperature, and I had put it in a glass of water to calibrate it. Well, I took the thermometer out or whatever, and Jamie was sitting at the table. Well, she took that glass of water that had the, the, the thing that I put the thermometer in with like raw, you know, fish juice and stuff like that. And she put it on the table and I'm sitting there drinking. I go, where'd you get this cup? And she's like, well, I got it over there. And I go, that has it in it, you know? And we started fighting, bickering back and forth. Before you know it, plates were slamming down on the, on the table and everything. <laughs> It involved my entire being. I was so upset. So it affects our desires, our actions, our feelings, and many times even our beliefs. Fifthly, our anger is an active response against a negative moral judgment that affects our whole person against perceived evil. You see, our moral judgment arises from our personal perception about things. In anger, we perceive some action. Look what you did to me. An object. Oh, that stupid tire. A situation or person to be evil or unjust. Our perceptions may be accurate or inaccurate. We may interpret other persons' actions in correct or incorrect ways. So we have to look at anger and we have to say, okay, God's word says that I can be angry, but I'm not supposed to sin. So what is anger? Anger is an active response of negative moral judgment that affects our whole person against perceived evil. This is why we must be so careful. Be angry and do not sin. Sometimes our perceptions are wrong. We are blind to what is truly sinful. Many times it's our own sinful, self-centered lust, the ways and ways that rule us. And when we don't get our way, sometimes we react 
in a sinful rage or clam up in rejection. And so we call into question others' motives and our responses are then ungodly. So that's why we have to be careful with our anger. God gave us anger for a reason, but it was not to react to people in sinful ways because of perceived evil. So what is anger? That's what it is. Let's look at the second thing. Is my anger righteous? Be angry and do not sin. You see, when we see God's anger in the Bible, there are several hundred references throughout all of Scripture that reveal his anger. God is both the most loving and the most angry person in this universe. What does his anger look like? Well, listen to some of these verses. Psalm 18, 7 through 8. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, the blast of your breath from your nostrils. Boy, that sounds pretty angry, doesn't it? You see, God's anger and ours radiates emotion. It's hot, it burns with emotion. Who or what is God angry at then? God is angry with sinners and their sin. Listen to Psalm 5, verses 5 through 6. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, Lord. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. You see, God maintains righteous wrath against all forms of wickedness. God's anger is his perfect, pure, settled opposition to evil. It is his holy abhorrence, is what we find there in Psalms 5, to everything that violates his character or misses his will. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, it says, The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. In Psalm 7 verse 11, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. You say, Mike, now come on. That's Old Testament type stuff there. He's the angry God. He's upset. Tell us about the New Testament loving Lord Jesus. Okay. Hear the words of Jesus, John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the, un- all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Romans Uh, chapter 2 verses 5 through 9 but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed God will repay each person according to what they have done 
To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And Paul sums all this up in verse 16. He says, this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. You see, God can be completely righteous in his anger. So the question is, is your anger then righteous? Because if God says, be angry, but do not sin, is your anger righteous? When we think about righteous anger, I think some of you might have been thinking immediately about Jesus Christ, how he dealt with people during his time. We have recorded for us several different aspects of how the Lord dealt with people, dealt with um, his disciples in anger, how he dealt with the, uh, the, the religious leaders during his day in righteous anger. Um, righteous human anger imitates God's anger. It is responding negatively to the evil that we accurately perceive as being evil. So how do I know if I have righteous anger or not? Well, there are three marks of righteous anger. Now, these are not original with me, but I found these to be very helpful. Here they are. Number one, righteous anger reacts against actual sin. So if you're going to be angry, then make sure it's against actual sin. This anger is a true perception of actual sin, biblical sin, a violation of God's word. This anger is not a result from merely being inconvenienced from your own desires, your own personal preference, or even traditions. It responds to sin as it is defined in God's word. You know why sometimes, you know, even in a marriage you have bickering and arguing and fighting going on? It's because we have anger problems. We want to have our own way. We want to have our own desires. And when our spouse goes against those, we respond in an anger type of way. And one feeds off of the other, and before you know it, one thing that was talking about what kind of couch we should buy turns into a huge argument about anything. And we start making statements like this. You always do that. You always say this. And it blows up out of proportion about a couch. Secondly, righteous anger focuses on God and his kingdom, his rights and concerns, not on me and my kingdom, my rights and concerns. Many times we are blinded by our own desires and our own rights. In scripture, God-centered motives, not self-centered motives, drive righteous anger. Righteous anger focuses on how people offend God and his name, not me and my name. We should be angry about the millions of babies that are slaughtered every single year in this country. 
That should anger you. You should be angered about the state of our country as it's going down the tube and allowing same-sex marriage and same-sex stuff that's going on. That should anger and outrage you. That's something to be angered about. But when somebody does something that hurts your feelings in a way that you, you wanted something a certain way and it didn't happen, that's not the time for you to be angry and unleash that anger on somebody. Thirdly, righteous anger is accompanied by other godly qualities and expresses itself in godly ways. Righteous anger remains self-controlled. It keeps its cool without cursing, screaming, raging, or flying off the handle. It does not spiral out of control in self-pity or despair or resentment. It does not ignore people, snub people, withdraw from people. Instead, righteous anger carries with it the twin qualities of confidence and self-control. Righteous anger shows concern for the well-being of others. It rises in the defense of the oppressed people. It seeks justice for victims. It rebukes transgressors. Godly anger confronts evil and calls for repentance and restoration. I encourage you to read through these passages of scripture that Jesus dealt with people in anger, but he did it righteously. Here are the passages if you want to look them up and, and, and have some time uh, reading through them. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. So if you want a good pattern of really righteous anger, look those passages up. See how God dealt with anger and how Jesus dealt with anger and how they did it righteously. So is my anger truly righteous? If it does not meet those qualities, then I'm sorry, your anger is not righteous. It's sinful. So that leads us to our third thing. If I'm going to have controlled anger, and if my anger is not righteous, but it's sinful, what do I need to do? I need to repent and change. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You see, in the moment when our buttons are pushed and we feel cornered or being attacked, we can become easily deceived, easily deceived. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Ephesians 4, we are commanded to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, warns us about a sinful and unbelieving heart that we may become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
This is why we must uncover in our hearts the sinful desires, the sinful idols that we have in our heart that cause us to react to others in anger. You see, if you have set up in your heart an idol of, I'm going to get my own way. And when you don't get your own way, what you do is you use anger to react towards people so you can get your own way. Well, that's an idol in your heart. And it needs to be torn down. It needs to be removed. It needs to be replaced. And so we have to uncover those deceitful desires that are in our hearts. So that way we will not react in sinful anger towards others. God's word gives us several commands that display sinful human anger. Listen to these. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander among, along with every form of malice. Colossians 3.8, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8, therefore I want the men everywhere to pray lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Galatians 5.20 tells us to rid ourselves of idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. James chapter 1.19-20 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So what is the answer to our sinful, selfish anger? We must follow the steps that God commanded for us in Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. Number one, repent of the evil desires you have and receive God's enabling grace. Put it off. That's what he says. Put off the old man, which is corrupt and deceitful in its lust. And so if I have sinful anger in my heart, if I have these selfish desires, I'm supposed to put them off. Stop doing it. This means you confess your anger as sinful to God. This means you must go to others and repent of your sinful anger and seek forgiveness and restoration. When my wife and I um, it was a few years back. Uh, we were offered a trip to go to Cancun. And we're thinking, man, this is going to be great. Cancun, we get to go, we get to have a good time. We didn't have Evelyn at the time. And so we were planning the, the trip. It was, I think it was three days, uh, something like, it was two days, three nights, something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. But you had to plan what you were going to do. Well, I wanted to do uh, like the uh, snorkeling and the rappelling and all this kind of stuff. And my wife says, and you could only choose one. My wife says, well, I want to go get a facial. <laughs> okay. I said, well, can't you just go get the facial and I'll go do the other thing? She says, well, no, I want to be with you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this is hard. And what ensued from that, from a conversation, then turned to a heated argument, to slamming of doors. And I ended up going with my wife to get the facial. 
But we worked something out in all of that because we ended up finding out that we could actually go on our own together and do something together. So we actually rented a golf cart and kind of toured around on the island. And so we worked it out. But there were those sinful human responses in anger because I could not get my own way. And so you have to repent of that. You have to seek forgiveness of those that you have wronged in sinful human anger. You're putting it off. Secondly, renew your mind. That's what Paul says. So you put off your old self. Then he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is where we find biblical verses to deal with our selfish desires and motives. We allow the truths of God's word to change us. We obey those verses regardless of how we feel. Verses such as this. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. Proverbs 12.18 There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How about Proverbs 29.11 A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. God calls you a fool if you're one that just blows up. But a wise person holds it back. So you should spend some time, look throughout God's word, use the concordance in the back of, of, of your Bible, find verses that deal with anger, or even just Google, just Google verses about anger. Find those verses, the ones that speak to you, write them down, memorize them, meditate them. You're renewing your mind because you want to change the direction. You want to change the person who you are. God says, put it away. Don't act like this. And so you change. Thirdly, you put on the new man. This is putting on the pattern of Jesus Christ in righteousness and true holiness. This means that you are replacing your, anger behavior, your angry behavior with Christ-like words and actions. You're exercising self-control, using godly speech, using biblical peacemaking and problem-solving. I want to finish this message with this last verse here. And this is, this is so important, church. Verse 27 and give no opportunity to the devil. When you and I become angry and we react in sinful anger towards other people, we actually allow the devil to come in and take a foothold in our life and wreak havoc. He says, give no opportunity for the devil. Now, all of this that Paul's talking about is speaking within the context of the whole church, having unity in the church. Do you want the devil to have a foothold in this congregation? No. Then don't be angry with one another. Don't allow Satan to come in. Put it off. Renew your mind. Put on the new man which is created after Christ Jesus. We can have controlled anger. We can be angry and not sin, but it has to be righteous anger. If it doesn't meet those qualifications, then it's sinful and we need to put it away. Let's pray together.